Welcome to the Covert Swarm Podcast. Stories, news, and opinions from the world of offensive cybersecurity delivered straight to your ears every month. This is episode number 13, and we're joined today by Ulrika Dolrud. Ulrika has an extensive amount of experience and a seasoned career as a chief privacy officer across all manner of uh, organizations. And today we're going to be uh, talking with Ulrika and very much asking the top line question of where does data privacy meet offensive security? So hello, Ulrika. Yes, thank you very much for this very warm welcome, Luke, and, and for hosting me. I'm really excited about being here. So a very brief way of introduction. My name is Ulrika Delrud. I an avid um, proponent of privacy and have been around for in, in the field for about 20, 25 years, worked in many different companies in different countries and really seen how it's changed over the years. I'm currently with serving as the chief privacy officer and data ethics officer of uh, a UK startup company called Smarter Contracts. But I also do quite a lot of speaking engagements. I work with mentoring. I'm involved in different trade associations where we try to think about what what are the next steps for privacy and data and, and really to be out there as a thought leader. An incredible career, Ulrika. Um, you know, just looking at your LinkedIn ahead of this call, um, worked with some incredible organizations and extensively experienced in all things data privacy. So, you know, keen to dive in. So. What inspired you to pursue a career in data privacy? And I think just to expand on that further, like what, um, you know, clearly what inspired you, but what would you sort of say to others who are potentially looking to get into this industry? Sure. So as I said, I've been around for 20, 25 years and, and it kind of came gradually for me as I was studying in, in, uh, at the different universities in Stockholm, at the College of Europe, at Georgetown University in, in Washington, D.C., I really through, especially through the different theses or, or, or projects or papers that we wrote, I had an, an interest in, in data and especially also in relation to, to trade. And then I was working, one of my first jobs was with, in private practice. Uh, it was early on, around 97, 98, when the, the current or the, the then data protection directive was being implemented. And we were we were kind of looking into how to do that, working mainly with uh, at the time telecom uh, companies. But no one at the time around me wanted to touch privacy. It's um, it's a little bit of a gray zone. Um, it's um, hard to get a good grasp on, and people were you know mixing up privacy with piracy, and and so no one really wanted to. There was no one wanting to to work on it. But for me, because it is a gray zone, because it's not black and white, that's what's really inspired me. And you have to be inventive. You have to really get to understand it, feel it in order to, to really get privacy. And I think that is, that is really one of the main takeaways. I think you can read the law, but there's so much more than, than just the law. You have to kind of uh, understand how it works in reality, because it's something that, that cannot just be applied as is. And it was fascinating for me. I can hear your passion, Ulrika, <laughs> and um, I can also see it because we're clearly recording this uh, together on, on a call. But uh, you know the passion that you, you put forward to, to an industry that um, has had a lot of confusion and, and, and lack of understanding. I guess just to help help the listeners, 
in sort of three sentences, what, how would you summarize data privacy or privacy in, in general in terms of, you know, what is it in, in sort of three sentences? So for me, it's, it's really about the individual and that has become a lot more noticeable over the past couple of years, especially as the GDPR came into force because the individual is really at the center. And we see that now through different enforcement actions, et cetera, how companies really need to think about privacy as it's it's some, it's an individual's data, right, that we're dealing with, an individual's um, life, basically. And companies need to take that, take that very seriously. Privacy is also about trust. It's about, uh, and I'll, I'm happy to, to elaborate a little bit further on that later on. When you collect data about people that they know what's really happening to it and they, they can trust you as a company to do it in a correct way and not use them. And privacy is also, ultimately, it is a fundamental right. And that's why it's so important to treat it as such and not abuse it. Completely agree. So, Ulrike, you know, you talked through your sort of 25 plus years of experience and, you know, your roles as a, as a sort of chief privacy officer over those times. I would imagine there's been many challenges and learnings in that time. Could you talk a little bit to just, just share, maybe sanitize whatever's needed here, but just some of those challenges you faced in your role? Of course. I think uh, first, one of the main things is that privacy is often in many organizations uh, kind of embedded under the legal department or the compliance department. And it's just an add-on to that. And I think that is one of the problems currently, or one of the challenges. And I think it's so important that privacy is seen as its own function, much like security, because as we all know, privacy and security go hand in hand. But privacy is not just about complying and it's not just about the law. It's extremely operational and it needs to be, and it's embedded everywhere in all functions. And it's not just a tick box exercise. So for me, it's really important to make sure that privacy is elevated within companies. Uh, some start to do it and have done it, but there's still a long long way for the majority of companies. I think it's also as a link to that or as an extension to that, I think it's really important that privacy has its own seat at the table. And what I mean by that is that when you are in a company and you have different um, regional, local, global meetings, typically, again, privacy is, is there under the auspices of legal or of compliance. But it is different from that. Yes, it has a compliance component, it has a legal component, but it also needs to to be able to be invited to these meetings and not just have secondhand information from the legal representative or the compliance representative. So that is something that I think is starting to evolve, but but we still have a ways to go there. I think also what is key uh, and I've touched upon that already, is that privacy, it's embedded in all the functions, right? So it, there has to be a good communication between uh, and an understanding, first and foremost, within the other functions, if you want, to that privacy and data is part of that. And that we find what I have developed throughout the different companies that I've been in, so-called privacy champions, 
that you have someone within security, someone within marketing, someone within procurement, etc., or in those functions or bus business departments that where it's mostly, uh, you know, that that are the the most concerned, that they have someone there that is also looking after the privacy part of marketing, the privacy parts of uh, whatever function we're talking about, because ultimately, and that is another thing that I've also seen throughout the years, that, that whenever you see the word privacy or data or personal data, it's privacy, the function privacy that has to deal with it. My message is that the privacy function needs to put together a good, smart, sustainable privacy program, but it's not privacy, the function privacy that's collecting the data or that makes the different decisions. It is the other functions such as HR, such as marketing, And there, they are the stewards, if you want, of, of the data. And they are the ones that need to know what to do, not to, to, to handle it properly, right? So those are a couple of things. I think also one important part, and, and that goes again to the fact that privacy typically is embedded under legal, under typically chief privacy officer in many companies report on, to a general counsel. So it's really important that if the general counsel is not into privacy, so to speak, meaning that he or she sees it as a mere compliance tick boxing box exercise, then you, you feel trapped as a privacy officer. You need to have that independence. You need to be able to speak directly into the board, into the management in order to, to get them to really hear you out and not have it go through another body if you want. Because ultimately it's about accountability, right? It's the company, it's the management that is accountable for the privacy program. Couldn't agree more. I think you touch on some some fantastic points. If I think to, to our world of offensive security, often the defensive side of, of the of the, the regime um, in terms of organizations and, and their security processes is very much thought of as, as an IT thing or whatever, but it's a whole organization thing. If you think about compliance in general, even something as, uh, I think like the P PCI data security standard, just to pick one out of, out of the air, often that's seen as an IT standard that, that is looked after, but it's a whole organizational thing. And I think you, you're absolutely right. One of the biggest challenges that many organizations face is making it holistic and everyone in the organization and specifically key departments have to be involved in, in that process. So you raised some fantastic points and, and I couldn't agree more. You mentioned GDPR, but how has the landscape of data privacy kind of changed over the years, Arika? You know, what have you seen? Changing a lot and fast. And currently, today, there are new new things popping up every day. So from a pure privacy point of view over these, uh, you know, at, at the beginning, it was this gray mass, if you want, that, that people barely, uh, you know, did not want to touch as I, as I, as I expressed it earlier. But thanks to, um, I think GDPR, uh, which was then implemented, uh, now five years ago had kind of made the big sea shift, if you want, that was, uh, people or individuals whose data we're actually talking about, because as we all know, privacy is personal data, there's more awareness. And, and um, that is one, one big thing, I think, that, that people or individuals are more aware of their rights and what companies are doing. We see all these enforcement actions from 
from companies uh, that companies need to comply with. And there is really a heightened emphasis on, on privacy over the, you know, just the past couple of years. But I think also GDPR, yes, it's a European legislation. And, but you see over the past also couple of years, you see GDPR copycats popping up a little bit everywhere, um, all over in Latin America, in Africa, in India, and, and you can, the list goes on and on. So we have a lot more privacy laws uh, globally and privacy, it is a global thing. Something else, yes. So we talked about privacy and personal data. We have, besides privacy laws, just proper privacy laws, we have a whole host of other laws popping up as well. Also, in the last couple of couple of years, we have just in the EU, we talk about the Data Governance Act, the Data Mar uh, the Data uh, Marketing Act, uh, etc. The AI uh, Act. They're all still um, proposals, but it's it's uh, there's a whole mishmash of new laws, new laws popping up in Europe, uh, but also outside of Europe that touch upon and that have a great great impact on privacy laws as well. So I would say over the past couple of years, it's evolving from a legal pro regulatory point of view, from an enforcement point of view. Again, we can probably thank the GDPR to that for that as well, where, where this was now, as we all know about the, the, the 5% uh, of the global annual, 4% uh, global annual turnover of possible uh, enforcement fines and the multitude of laws but then also we are in a in a in a digital digital environment now that is that is just moving so fast and and uh, we it's it's just going to uh, it's just going to it's just going to explode and we you know with all the different um um also in in relation to cybersecurity uh, all the different new threats uh, that we see thanks to the digital era that we're living in. And on top of that, I would say that trust, and I mentioned that briefly before, trust has become, become uh, the main motor as well here, that people need to trust the companies that deal with their, that handle their data. If we think back to, you know, the, the sort of title of this podcast and, you know, where does data privacy or privacy meet offensive security? Um, what what are your sort of thoughts there in terms of you know where those two collide? You, know, you mentioned the sort of um, digital you know revolution and and uh, you know continued kind of momentum of fast paced companies. And then if we bring that back, or we could just to expand a bit further, you know what advice would you give organisations looking to improve their sort of data privacy practices? Sure, sure. I think number one, I'd say it's know your data. Any company just needs to to get a good grip of what data they have and that they are processing, etc. Uh, again, GDPR kind of requires companies to put to, to have registers of their data practices, so-called robust or registers of, of processing activities. You have to have that in place, but robust or these processing registers can be extremely useful for any company to kind of really get an idea of what what they have and how the data flows are actually flowing throughout the company. And it can also, once you kind of map that, and typically you do that 
function by function. You can also be extremely helpful to other functions, right? So you you kind of map it and then you see that, you know, the legal department sees, oh, there is a there is a connection here. We don't have um, a contract in place here. So they, they, you kind of see, you do some kind of due diligence. There is a new third party that we did not, the company did not know was involved in the processing of, of whatever <clears throat> data uh, activity we are talking about. So it can be helpful in that regard to kind of clean up your, um, your um, shop, basically. Um, and uh, know your data is, is really key. And then it's about also doing what kind of, what you have to kind of do throughout, you know, minimize your data. Don't keep too much data. That that be a key thing as well. Just make it uh, make it very, very. Um, just keep the data that you need, you know, uh, and then be smart about it as well. If you want to, if you want to work, you have data and see how you can use that in a proper way. And there, the trust issue, the trust challenge comes in as well. Uh, if you can show to the the individuals uh, whose data you're processing that you have a good, smart program that you have kind of developed and that they can trust you with their data, there's more likelihood that they will as well and that you can you can get more data and you have you've you've gotten it in a lawful way and f- for gotten the consent, for instance, if if that's uh, the legal basis that you that you um, want to work on. So I think it's um, I think it's about uh, knowing your data, have a good privacy program where you are the capturing capturing what's required on the GDPR, but also then move beyond that and and bring in an, uh, a trust issue, trust part to that. Uh, be more ethical as well. That's another. Uh, we talked about all these other laws that are that are popping up popping up around the privacy framework. You have the AI AI regulation, for instance, in in different countries, uh, the proposed ones at least. It's all about ethics and biases and things like that. You make a, a risk assessment of what you if you want to process certain types of data, can you do it or what is the you do a risk analysis. And also do it from an ethical point of view, even if you are allowed under the law to to do certain things, should you? So have that in mind. And and a governance structure is very important as well, and not just for privacy, but around other types of, of adjacent uh, laws that are popping up as well. Those are a few things. But my message is really that data and trust is currency. And that's where you really, if you have a good program in place, then you can and you and you get that you instill that trust with the individual or the consumer or the customer then you can just you know leverage the data uh, in another way what could be more effective at helping secure your organization than employing your worst nightmare to try and break in first that's exactly what the team here at cohort swarm provides through a simple monthly subscription We continuously deliver tailored cyber, social, and physical security attacks to organizations just like yours. Every month, we'll work with your team to uncover security vulnerabilities across your ever-changing attack surface that will lead to you being breached. We'll then raise the alarm and guide the remediation steps required to close the gaps before a genuine bad actor can exploit them. 
constant security testing, we are constantly changing attack surface. So just to, just if we take that a little bit further, some thinking you sort of triggered there is is we think about offensive security, we think about data privacy. What are the biggest threats to data data privacy today, in your view? You know, the sort of top three threats you would you would sort of class to, to data privacy as, as a domain discipline, but also as individuals' data privacy from an offensive security perspective. Sure. So I think there are many challenges of privacy compliance of the coming past couple couple of months. We have this digital transformation. Uh, and that's that is so so fast, and that is happening as we speak, and it's going faster and faster. With some of the threats, is is really around the data that we're having, how secure it is, and there, obviously, there is a, a big, you know, collaboration—not a collaboration, but a but a big um, between privacy and security who, that have to work together. There is a big, yeah, we would say collaboration between the two functions then. Cybersecurity is is really key here. It's really important that that both privacy experts also have an act and an understanding of what that actually means. And cyber criminals are getting very sophisticated, and we need to be a step ahead in in many ways. Uh, so I think there there is one one of the threats I see. The other one is around AI um, and. Again, the AI regulations around the world, they're popping up quickly. But AI sometimes can be more powerful than, than the human intelligence. And, and uh, the, sometimes the AI brain may be beating the capacity of, of the brains in some areas. So that's why, again, digital ethics and AI ethics is just so important. And, and governance is, is key here and that you have entrusted to global privacy in most companies. The last Gartner, they kind of explain what are the privacy concerns of generative artificial intelligence apps. And we have the chat GPT, of obviously, which is very much, you know, talked about at this, at this point. But it is around data collection, data storage, sharing, lack of transparency, biases and discrimination, and security risks. And I think those are, from my perspective, some of the main main ones that we have to kind of work with. <laughs> so, so, so much insight. We talked about, I'm just thinking about, we talked about um, some of the challenges that you faced in your role as, as a privacy director or, or, or chief privacy officer. You know, how the landscape of data privacy has changed over the years. I guess my next question, sort of thinking ahead, is is what does the future look like? So you touched on AI and, and the challenges and new regulation around that, but is there anything further around that to sort of share with the listeners or or just in terms of the, the future, if we think ahead about the journey of, of, of data privacy as it again as a domain discipline and a specialism, where where is where are we going in terms of your views? So there are a couple of couple of things I'd say there. And and uh, one uh, is around privacy will become more than just meeting regulatory requirements. And we've said that it's more than just a compliance tick box exercise. I think companies that, and there are some out there, and I think more should join the train, so to speak, but forward-thinking companies, they will look at a privacy-first strategy, placing the customer or the individual, their needs in front of the organization's needs. 
environment for building trust, improving customer satisfaction, meeting the regulatory requirements, all of these support the long-term relationships that creates a mutual beneficial exchange with customers. I think creating a privacy culture where all the key departments or functions are engaged and play an important role in the data protection strategy is, is going to be key to avoid you know, revenue loss, data breaches, productivity loss, cost of regulatory fines and settlements. Another part is that when we talk about AI, and, and I'm not going to dwell on it because we've already discussed it, but, but I think a, an AI-improved user experience will come with a cost. And, and there it's, um, it's extremely important that we um, find ways to kind of combat these challenges, if you want. Some of them being then the high risk to individuals' rights and freedoms, exploitation of data, identification tracking, and data breach risks. Another point, I think, and we've seen it in one of the, the latest enforcement actions in the Facebook or Meta case, I think that when individuals agree that they're, you know, for a company that they can do, like they use their data for certain things, I think the consent or the preference management will be a key tool going forward for, for many companies. And you don't just see it from based on that uh, enforcement action in the, in the Facebook or Meta case, but you also see it in some of the new laws popping up in the EU, for instance, in the Data Governance Act, in the Indian privacy legislation proposal, where consent becomes really important, but people know what their data is actually they, they agree, they know transparently what is happening to their data and, and that they agree to that. That's going to be really a, um, a key thing move forward. And I think another, I'm just going to cite Gartner again there, who predicted that by, I think it was, yeah, by this year, 2023, 30% or so of consumer-facing organizations will have to offer a more of a self-service transparency portal to provide preference and consent management. And I think that is that is one key. And that's, that's I just have to say also that the company that I'm currently working with, uh, Smarty Contracts, they are uh, really privacy first, putting the individuals in the, in the forefront um, company and that where their, um, their uh, consent management tool Pulse is really revolutionary in how you can actually see what consents you have gathered and, and in real time be able to see that and manage that in a, in a complete new way. And that's why I'm, I'm really excited to be working with them. The list goes on. I think data breaches, the cost of data breaches will continue to grow. I think there's um, another, we have all these free services, free online services and just balancing privacy with them so yeah that's just a few look so i thought we could we could we could probably record another four episodes <laughs> just on that one subject right about what the future looks like but but yeah thank you take it back to individuals then so i guess the first question is you know what can individuals do to protect their own data privacy you know what sort of things should they be looking for any steps that they can take but i think to expand on that just linking back to a point you you rightly made earlier around it, I think to summarize data privacy not being sort of siloed just as a legal or just as a governance or compliance obligation, but being a whole organization 
living and breathing challenge and something everyone needs to sort of warm to is it not necessarily warm to but be involved in and know about is there anything individuals could do today in their roles maybe there's people listening that are um you know it managers um you know security operations center managers penetration testers or or um information security managers or, or something to that effect like what could they do to help start vocalizing and thinking about this and help protecting their organizations? Uh-huh. No, it's a great question, Luke. I think uh, a couple of things. Uh, I think privacy and security definitely need to work together. I think, and that's what I've seen also in, in many of the companies that I've been involved with, sometimes privacy and security don't speak the same language or they have different, um, there is different um, understanding of a, a word, right? So I think it's really important that security or IT professionals become more familiar with what privacy actually is, what it is about, and vice versa for privacy professionals to get more with it, so to speak, with security terms and, you know, how security actually, how it functions, and especially also from an IT perspective, how because we're talking about one one big area in privacy is obviously privacy by design and privacy by default, which by definition means that that uh, you, uh, as a privacy professional, you 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 work together to, together with the with the IT department or the or the security department, for instance, being able to translate the the requirements in a, an understandable way and in a business friendly way. That is one one point, I think. And what I wanted to add to that is that I'm also, throughout my career, I've been involved with with an organization, the, the biggest privacy organization globally called the International Association of Privacy Professionals, where I have yeah been on a number of boards, etc. Uh, but they have uh, some trainings that or certifications that are really quite good. One is called Certification for Privacy Technologies. So they're just really kind of mixing or or blending the two together. And I think that is one one field where where you kind of example of how you can actually get the two uh, functions or t- the functions that are relevant here to to speak the same language because that is really key. The other point is is what I mentioned in the in the previously is that, that you embed privacy into the different businesses through privacy champions or stewards, what have you. So there is someone within security, within IT, that also kind of has uh, has some more in-depth uh, understanding of what privacy actually means. Uh, so so that can kind of be um, better implemented throughout the process. But as we all know, there is part of privacy a privacy program is security, right? So, so that's why it's it's so important that the two functions work together. Great, Ulrika. No, thank you. I think just coming from my world with my sort of security, offensive security hat on, one of the things I've seen work exceptionally well in organisations is where you have a, in our world, sort of a security champions program where you have individuals who have a passion for security within development teams within. Um, you know, maybe even if it's finance, compliance, a another team, isn't necessarily a full-time role. Is someone who potentially has aspirations in this space, or has a as a as an interest or a passion for it, or just wants to help bring the organisation more together. And, and 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 what I really liked and took away from 
the last few minutes is is a sort of privacy champions piece i think is a fantastic idea you know you could even have individuals who maybe their expertise is is aligned to the security world but then they they they're sort of cross-trained into the privacy world or vice versa and i think yeah absolutely i think that's one key takeaway for me and something i'll definitely be um talking about um you know next sort of catch-ups with our customers so thank you um now gdpr many many other regulations all over the world you know thinking thinking back to organizations listening to this they might be thinking well how do we a know what regulations we have to comply to but b like how do we ensure we're compliant because you know if if we think about some you know regulations there isn't a a test you can do that ensures your compliance there isn't necessarily an independent audit you know how do you as an organization kind of ensure that a you know about your obligations but b that you are complying sort of in inverted commas with those regulations and what i mean by that is because there isn't necessarily always an independent body that will come along and, and accredit uh-huh. you to a to a standard you know where it's more of a regulation how do you think about that? Sort of uh-huh, talk us through that uh-huh. in your experience, sure. please. So uh, number one is, um, I would say, training, 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 and awareness raising within the organization. So people know and know what privacy means and why it is important to them and why complying or why why following the the program that the, the privacy function puts together, why that is important, how it also actually can enhance and grow that business, that function. I think it's extremely important that the, the different functions take ownership of privacy and that they can turn it around and not just see it like an evil must, but, but that it can be something positive and that that can actually generate revenue for the company. I think there are some, some basic things and it, it all it kind of depends on what kind of company you are. If you are a big, big organization, um, has been around for a long time, if you are a small company, a startup company, etc. So there are different, not to say that there, there are different standards, but there may be, if you are a small, small company uh, uh, with not a lot of employees, but if you process a lot of data, you know, you have to kind of see what are the risks for the company, right? So be smart about how you go about it. But the number one thing is that any company uh, should look at, do they process data and know your data, as we talked about before, uh, really know how much data you have, where it is. Uh, many companies go out and, and sign up for, for different assistance or help from, from third parties, right? not knowing sometimes that uh, their data is stored with that third party, but knowing your data, whether, because you, as the, as the company, you are the controller of the data. You are accountable and responsible for that data, even if you outsource it or give it or use third parties to help you with certain parts. Uh, so know your data and keep those registers. Uh, it might sound boring, but it, they're extremely helpful to also see where you may need to improve. And, and if there are gaps, you can find those gaps by doing the registers and the data flows. Minimize your data. Data minimization is really important. Yes, it is uh, a rule under under the GDPR and most other, other laws, 
you should only keep as much data or you should only you know use the data that that for which you have a purpose you know and not just collect all kinds of data that you know it may be good to have in the future right that is a, a big no no in privacy laws so you should really keep the data for the specific purpose that you that you want to process it for use tools there are many many tools out there where you can kind of automate it so not just using uh, your excel sheets etc but but really find a way to to uh, make it easier and and embed it at the outset we talked about privacy by design and by default before uh, it's so important that when you create build uh, a product that they're then then you might sell to other customers that you have thought about any privacy related matters at the forefront, at the at the outset so that is embedded uh, because that is when your clients or your customers will come and look and and evaluate you as a as a potential company with whom they want to do business they're going to do due diligence also from a privacy perspective and they will need to know that the the product that they are buying that it has these uh privacy filters or whatever it may be built in in the outset that will be very key key really important because because if you sell your product to a customer the customer will ultimately be responsible for making sure that privacy by design is is embedded at the outset communicate and be transparent if you are a customer b2c company for instance be transparent about what you're doing with your data to the to the user to the individual and then have a governance in place you said how do we know that we are doing the right thing there are some basic basic things that i've just mentioned three or four of them but also having a governance board where you kind of look at your policies and look at your look at your program and and that you that you have uh, some kind of a well certainly a risk register but also that you that you evaluate where you are and how can you take that forward and where there what were the misses etc so it's really important to ensure that you don't just put together a program and that's it it's something that needs to evolve you know going to grow and it's going to change and you have to adapt uh, as you go along as well and then um, take privacy out of co- the compliance function i'd say in companies and don't don't hide it don't <laughs> don't let it be hidden you know it needs to to be have sure. its own voice arika thank you I've learned so much after after the last um 30 minutes or so it's um absolutely incredible clearly so much experience and so much depth to your answers and, and responses and so much in terms of key key takeaways and learning so thank you Before we close, anything else you'd like to add um, on any of the points or anything else that people need to be maybe thinking about or key takeaways? Yes. So I think data privacy will just continue to grow and change and develop globally. And we are in a, in this digital transformation as well. So it's not just about privacy. It's about all these other laws that that have an impact on the privacy legislation as well that are popping up it's so important to stay abreast of what's what's happening and really the other the other main point i think is to really have make privacy really a big part of your or data a big part of your of your company if you are especially if you're a data intensive company 
individuals will continue. They have already started, but they will question and they will want to know what you're doing with their data. So you just need to, I would say that having a privacy first strategy is and start recognizing that individuals' privacy is a valuable asset. Building both um, trust and value is is um, really important. So I'll leave it at that. Fantastic. Thank you so much again, Ulrika. Looking forward to having you hopefully again very soon uh, as, a, as, a, as a, another special guest on, on the Covert Swarm podcast. So thank you very much. Uh, we'll say goodbye and we'll sign off. This has been episode 13 of the Covert Swarm podcast. And um, thank you all and goodbye. Okay. Thank you very much, Luke, for having me. Thank you. While you're still here, we'd love to tell you more about Covert Swarm. Our unique Red Team subscription service emulates genuine unlimited scope cyber attacks using our own swarm of ethical hackers. Want to test your exposure to social engineering attacks? No problem. Want to understand what a ransomware attack could do to your business? We'll make that happen. Are you kept awake at night by security risks in your tech stack? We'll find them before they do. We'll even cover your regulatory pen test reporting requirements. Everything Covert Swarm delivers flows through our Offensive Operations Center platform, allowing you to plan and see where our attacks are taking place, gain rapid insights into where your next breach point exists, and enables you to direct our swarm of ethical hackers to explore specific areas of your estate on demand. We even communicate with your team in real time via Slack. So ditch the limited scopes, infrequent testing, and over-restrictive rules of engagement. And subscribe to Covert Swarm today. Learn more at covertswarm.com. See you on the next episode.